0: to Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. You probably have a lot of curiosity about your family history, but not a lot of time. And that's why I created this podcast. In each episode, I'm going to give you the tools that you need to uncover your family tree in quick and easy ways. So far in this podcast series, we've already made a lot of progress. You've set up your genealogy database, talked to your relatives, gotten familiar with the family history centers, and you have your research worksheet now to lead you in your investigation backwards in time through death records and census records. Well, in today's episode, we're going to continue backwards, heading down a very special records aisle. You guessed it, we're marching down the records aisle looking for marriage records. Marriage records are part of the record group called Vital Records, and they can be a really rich source of genealogical information. So, grab a handful of rice and a hanky, and let's see what we can find. This episode we are continuing on the research process and as you know in the world of genealogy we work backwards in episode 3 we start at the end by locating your ancestors death record well death records are part of a record group known as vital records and in addition to death records vital records also include marriage and birth records so today we are taking a step back from death records and into marriage records, which are a lot of fun to find and to review. Marriage records, like death records and birth records, which we'll be covering in an upcoming episode, are primary sources, which mean that the record was completed at the event or very close to it by someone who was present at the event. Now, that means it's a pretty reliable source. Now, there are two types of marriage records civil records, which are recorded with the local government, usually at the county level, and church records, if indeed the marriage took place in a church. In this first segment, let's talk about civil records. Now, there are actually a couple of different types of records that you'll be looking for when looking for civil marriage records. But first, let's talk about where you're going to be obtaining these records. First, you need to determine when the marriage took place in order to figure out the proper civil authorities to contact. Now usually that's the clerk in the town, the county, district, or parish where the happy couple said I do. In the U.S., chances are it's at the county level. But if you're not sure, do a Google search on the name of the county and the phrase vital records. Chances are one of the first search results will be a link to the website for that county and hopefully the specific page that will tell you how to request vital records. There you should find specific instructions about how to make the request and any fees or costs that are involved. And I have three tips for you. Number one, be sure and follow the instructions to the letter because otherwise you will likely have your request returned to you unfulfilled and asking for more information, which just wastes a lot of time. And tip number two, as with death records, it isn't necessary to order a certified copy because you're not using it for legal reasons, just information reasons. Certified copies cost more, and usually they have more requirements to applying for them. So make a notation on your request that you're asking for an information-only, non-certified copy. And tip number three, request a complete photocopy, which is sometimes referred to as a long form rather than a short form, which can be just a brief transcription of the record, handwritten by a clerk rather than a copy of the actual record itself. Now, if heading to the courthouse or contacting them through the web or by mail sounds cumbersome to you, there is an easier way to request Merrick records, and that is through vitalcheck.com. And I'll have that link for you on the webpage for this episode. While it does cost more, you can order the records quickly and easily online. Now, if you're looking for civil records in England or Wales, those records have been officially recorded by local district registrars who reported to the General Registrar Office since July 1st of 1837. These records are probably easiest to access, particularly if you're not in the UK, through the website findmypast.com, which does charge a fee, but it's very convenient and you can actually download those records to your computer. For those of you in Australia, I'll have a link on the webpage show notes to the article in the family search wiki that gives you everything you need to know about Australian vital records. And in fact, the wiki is a great resource if you have a specific country outside the U.S. where you're trying to locate vital records. Just put in the name of the country and check for vital records. I'll bet you'll find some good information there. But now keep in mind that there are a number of types of civil records that may exist. So let's talk about them so that you know what you're really looking for. Okay, let's think about the marriage process. Which records do you think come first? Would you guess it's the marriage license? Well, that's a pretty logical guess. But when it comes to the government and paperwork, there's often more than meets the eye. If you're married... Think back to how you got that marriage license. What did you have to do paperwork-wise? Remember to follow the money. In order to obtain a license, you have to pay a fee to the county clerk, and that fee was given to the clerk along with a completed marriage application. And this is a record that many genealogists overlook. But if the application still exists, you're going to want to get a hold of it. So on your list of records, number one is marriage application. Now, I can't guarantee that they're available in every county in the U.S., but it's definitely worth asking. In fact, when I sent a letter out to Randolph County, Indiana, I was checking on some records, um, marriage records for my great-great-grandfather, and I wrote a note, and I said, oh, thank you so much for looking, and I included my phone number. Well, the clerk there actually called me personally and said, yes, I have the records you're asking for. But we also have a marriage application. Do you want a copy of that? And I was like, whoa, I had no idea that they even still had marriage applications. I went, yes, send it to me. And it was terrific. It had some additional information on it. And she sent it along with the rest of it. So again, it depends on the location and the clerk involved. But make sure you ask for it because then if it does exist, they can send that along with it. Now, after paying your fee and turning in your application, you receive a marriage license, right? Well, this record often holds the most genealogical value. It will include the names of the bride and the groom, possibly their ages, their residence, as well as perhaps their race, occupation, perhaps the names of their parents, all really good stuff. Now, after the happy couple tied the knot, the signed marriage license was returned to the clerk for recording in a marriage register or a book. The information recorded may have included the date and the place of the marriage, uh, the name of the person who performed the marriage ceremony, so ask for the marriage register record. And finally, when it's all said and done, the couple receives a marriage certificate from the person who performed the ceremony. Now, while this record is part of the process, it isn't available through the Vital Records Office. It would have been kept by the couple, and it's going to involve some looking around and asking your relatives to see if that marriage certificate still exists. And here's one very important thing to keep in mind. A marriage license doesn't prove a marriage. Let me say that again. A marriage license alone does not prove a marriage. A couple could have easily applied for a marriage license, but never actually gone through with the big day, right? So if you locate a marriage license, but there's no record of a marriage, you may be looking at a ceremony that never took place. And finally, another reason you may not find civil marriage records is because they are actually a fairly new phenomenon. Vital records really took hold in the U.S. uh, around the early 1900s, and the start dates kind of vary from state to state. However, we will be exploring another collection of marriage records that go much further back in time. back, and I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Now, even though civil registration in the U.S. has only been around for a relatively short amount of time, and marriage records are often the oldest civil vital records available, church records have been around much longer and can help you go much further back in history. I think just about the best place to start looking is the Family History Library, and that means that we're heading back to the FamilySearch.org website, And you'll want to click on the Library tab and then Library Catalog. Now you'll find several options there for different types of searches that you can conduct. And I recommend that you use the Place Search. Now, for example, if your great-grandparents lived in Tacoma, Pierce County, Washington, you would type Tacoma in the Place field and Pierce in the Part of field because Tacoma is part of Pierce County. And then click the Search button. This will bring up a list of various records available for that city and county. And if you run that search, in the list, you'll find not only probably church records, but possibly church history as well. So click on church records to see a list of which records that they have and the churches that they come from. Occasionally, the library won't have anything, but I find that most times they have some offerings that you'll want to take a look at. Now, in the case of Tacoma, Pierce County, Washington, there were six results. So just check out the ones that look promising. You'll be looking to see what format the records are available in, whether they're in book form, which means that they're only available at the main library in Salt Lake City, although you can order copies for pages, or whether they're on Microfish or microfilm, which can be ordered and viewed for a small fee at your local family history center. So for more information about borrowing films and using the services of the Family History Library and their centers, check out episodes 16 through 19 of this podcast series, and you will learn everything that you need to know to use their services. If you don't find a listing for the records you're looking for, you do have other alternatives. If the church still exists, try searching for their website. And you can also contact the church office and ask if they have records for the time period that you're looking for. If they do have some, it's always nice to offer to make a donation to the church for their time and their copying expense to send you copies of the records. And I've found that churches are usually very agreeable and really helpful when you're polite and patient. <laughs> Now, if they no longer have the records, they may know where they are being archived and can point you in the right direction. So be sure and ask. They can tell you whether it's in a local genealogy society, historical society, or maybe a state archives. If the church office can't help you out, uh, check in with the closest local public library and ask to talk to the reference desk. Or try going online to the WorldCat website, which allows you to search the library catalogs of public libraries across the country and really throughout the world. That's at WorldCat.org. And again, I'll have that link for you in the show notes. You may have to try a couple of different search strategies to pin down what you're looking for. But WorldCat is such a terrific tool because it covers so many libraries all at one time. Another strategy for marriage records in the U.S. is to check the U.S. Gen website for the state and the county where the marriage occurred. Go to usgen, which is G-E-N-Web.org. And in the left column, click on the state. So in our example, we would go click on Washington. And that brings up the state page where you can then cl- select the county. And in this case, Pierce would be the county, so we'd click on Pierce County, and that will take you to the county website. Now these sites are run by volunteers, and each county has a different variety of records and resources available. You probably won't find the actual records on USGenWeb, but you will very likely see a list of churches in the area, maybe some recommendations on locating their records, and possibly even emails for contacts who would be willing to help you locate those records locally. And finally, try contacting the local genealogy and or historical societies and ask for their help. Now, in addition to the recording of the marriage in a church register, you may also want to look for bands of marriage records. You've probably heard the term the reading of the bands. Well, the word bands comes from an old English word, which means to summon. And that's just what they did. The bans were an announcement made in a parish church, which descended from the Roman Catholic Church, of a pending marriage, and they were announced in the church of the engaged couple for three consecutive Sundays. The idea was that these announcements or summons would allow anyone to raise any legal reason why the couple could not be lawfully married, either under canon law or civil law. Objections could have included um, a pre-existing marriage that hadn't been dissolved or annulled. It could have included that one of them had taken a vow of celibacy, um, a lack of consent by the parents or the guardians, or it could have been an issue with the couple being too closely related, such as being first cousins. So look for a record of the bans in the church minutes, which is why the church history results that we got back in our Family History Library catalog search were of interest to us, as well as the actual church registers, because sometimes you can find the listing of the bands in the church minutes of their board meeting minutes, or in copies of their church bulletins. And finally, I want to mention a secondary source that you're not going to want to miss, and that is newspaper marriage announcements. As long as you keep in mind that the article was probably written by someone who may not have even been in attendance at the ceremony, newspaper articles can be a great and really a fun source of genealogical information and lead you to some further research leads. Communities have been announcing engagements and marriages in newspapers for a long time, and the amount of information that you're going to find is probably going to depend on the size of the community where the uh, marriage occurred. I find that smaller towns tend to devote more space to wedding articles, and uh, the prominence of the couple really is a factor. So if it's the mayor's daughter, you're probably going to find a spread in the paper compared to if it's maybe the butcher's daughter. And of course, in more recent years, you might find a photograph has been included along with the announcement of the article, which is always an exciting find. And of course, it's also very likely that family members in attendance are going to be listed in that article along with the maiden name of the bride. And these are all great leads for moving your research forward. Or should I say backward? Moving your research backward. (laughs) And uh, here's a tip for you. I was looking for a wedding announcement from the turn of the 20th century in a small town newspaper But I couldn't find issues from the dates I was looking for. Isn't that always the way it is? Well, as I was combing through the database, continuing to search for other items on that family in that town, I was thrilled to find that 50 years later, in a kind of uh, remember when column in the paper, they ran a reprint of the exact wedding announcement I was looking for. Isn't that so cool? I mean, that was 50 years later. So keep in mind when you are searching a database and you find a listing to what appears to be the right family in the right area, but the date is way off. Be sure and check it out anyway, because it just may be a republishing of the news that you were looking for. So there you have it. After the rice has been thrown and the couple has gone off into the sunset, there are a treasure trove of records waiting to be discovered. Happy hunting. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. You'll find the show notes for this episode, which include all the links I've talked about, at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll also discover a lot more tips and tools for finding your family history in my podcasts, the blog posts, books, and videos. Become a Genealogy Gems premium member and you're also going to get access to exclusive content like my full-length video classes and the premium podcast episodes. We have a new one of those coming out every month. Now, if you have any questions about this episode, or if you'd like to share your experiences on how the podcast has impacted your own family history journey, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at genealogygemspodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 925-272-4021. And we might just play it here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.